0: resistance in existence join the resistance come on let's start by doing tactics have a pause in matches here's how we practice the last start a conversation david
1: jason hey everybody welcome to pop culture continuum this is john elliot this is patrick mccarty and this, this is adam fagnan yeah i didn't even didn't even have to introduce <laughs> Adam Feynman, uh he wrote to us and wanted to do an episode. And he's got his own podcast, which is called? The Ponering Zoo. Which I don't know why it's called that. Um, I, don't, I don't know what uh, ponering is.
2: The night before we recorded the first episode, we recorded the first episode of Valentine's Day. And the night before, David had a few drinks and wrote on Facebook that he was pondering love. But he misspelled it as ponering. <laughs> and when we recorded, I made some comment about how we should aspire to be better than the morning zoo style of just bullshit radio. But that we were miserably failing. And I kind of just got the idea, we'll call it the ponering zoo.
1: <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you, and you, everybody should aspire to
3: be better than the morning radio. Mm-hmm. Um, Even morning radio should aspire to that I've, I, listened, I haven't listened to all your episodes But I listened to the one about Kimmy Schmidt And I, I, I thought it was awesome Cool Your story about the homeless people was really engaging And really funny mm-hmm.
2: Thank you yeah, That was an interesting experience
1: <laughs> Well, this week we're doing uh, these, were, these were Adam's picks uh, so We're doing Young adult versus uh, while we're young. So we're gonna start with young adult and so why did you why did you pick these two Adam? Uh, I
2: guess for a number of reasons what basically I got the idea after I watched um, while we're young both of these are movies that I heard about when they came out but then waited a while before I actually got to watch them. And uh, while we're young, basically what I knew about it was that uh, Ad-Rock from the Beastie Boys had a small role in it. So I was like, oh, I'll have to check that out. And then I did, and I thought it was really interesting, but I also found it kind of hard to form a, an opinion on it. I, I thought it was very interesting, though, and and it deals with uh, aging and you know kids today versus middle age and young adults. Deals with adults who are kind of trapped as kids as they once were. So, both of them have like a baby being born as setting off this whole crisis in lives. Um, both of them deal with the idea of what it is to be a teenager and with characters in their 20s, and then Young Adult is about characters in their 30s who are in crisis and. Well, While We're Young is about characters in their 40s in crisis. So it's just like a really widespread of experience, I guess, that were that were similar and dissimilar, I thought, in, in interesting ways. Oh. And also Young Adult is um, a film that I've talked to, I've attempted to talk to people about many times before. And a lot of people have have like this really strong reaction to it where they act like you're asking them about the most traumatic thing they've ever experienced
1: <laughs> really
2: yeah yeah i've people. it's like it's such a it's such an oddly divisive movie like even if you go look at um like the amazon reviews for it or something this has like two or two and a half stars out of five whereas it has like an 80% around tomatoes. And then conversely, While We're Young is a movie that I thought was interesting, but I just haven't figured out any way to talk about it because it's I feel like if I describe it, you know, there there's a scene where an older guy and this younger hipster guy go Fedora shopping. <laughs> You know that that sounds like I know what that movie it is, and it sounds like a terrible movie. It sounds very hackneyed and cliched, but I thought it was a lot more than that. But I haven't figured out how to really put that. So,
1: well, there's a, a lot of dynamics between the two I thought were interesting. Yeah, we we probably won't figure out how to talk about it here today. I think you got <laughs> the, the wrong two people for that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's start with young adult. I had well, I think we both saw it before, right, Pat?
3: Yeah, I saw it in the theater when it came out, and I actually was not looking forward to watching it again. I think it's a really good movie, but it's hard to watch because it's so it's it's really strong, like almost depressing. Because the Charlie's Charlie's Theron's character is. is Wait, so why do you off. say Theron, man? It's <laughs> that's
1: it's, her name, Theron. It, no,
3: it's Theron.
1: Theron. It's like a heron. Wait, do you call it a heron? Yep. All right. So Charlize what you, Wait, what
3: do you call Shira? Uh
1: wait, what do I call She-ra? Uh-huh. Shira? ra oh.
3: Shira?
2: Uh I should also own up to that I'm going to repeatedly mispronounce her name. <laughs> okay. I what always pron- thought it was I always thought it was Theron. And then I listened to an interview and it was like Theron or something like
1: that. So Oh, really? so we're all wrong. <laughs> Everyone's wrong. All right, so let's just say Charlize Theron. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead, Pat.
3: I just her her performance is so perfect as this broken broken woman, in it but but it makes me so sad. So it, it's hard to it's a it's a really good movie, but it's hard to watch. I could see that. I I didn't find it especially hard to
1: watch, but I think you know, having. <laughs> dealt with depression for a long time i could i could relate a bit although
3: that's why it's so hard yeah (laughs) i I know what she's feeling i can feel it and that that embarrassing scene at the end it's like oh my god it's it's so sad but you get it
2: yeah that closer is just oh shit. it's like practically turns into a horror movie (laughs) like this is a definition of a cringe comedy
1: well okay uh plot for people who haven't seen it so, uh, Charlize Theron is a author of, well, a ghost writer, basically, of young adult books. Although, that's... don't
3: call her a writer. Yeah. She'll correct you. She's an author.
1: That's right. <laughs> that, that series, uh, has died out. And like, at one point she goes to a bookstore, uh, and, and all those books are on the clearance table and she tries to like sign them, um. Uh, and, the... and I
3: think those little scenes like that scene that you're talking about where she goes to the bookstore is one of the strongest points of the movie where just these little absurd things that happens to her with other people that she just doesn't pay attention to that regular social social cues and does whatever she wants. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. At all. Um, but she somehow gets it in her head. Well, she gets she gets a um, like a email from an, her ex-boyfriend, her ex-high school boyfriend. I guess, that uh, that he and his new wife in their small town that she grew up in had a baby. And she gets it in her mind that she's going to go back to the small town from Minnesota and uh, try to win him back. Um, so she's basically delusional and fucking crazy. And that's that's the main gist of it.
2: Yeah. yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think really the... The, the best way to summarize it, both plot wise and tonally is, is there's a scene in there where, and it's actually in the trailer. So I don't think it's much of a spoiler. Or anything. where he says, uh, Mavis, I'm a married
1: man. And she says,
2: I know we can beat this thing together.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's all kinds of fucked up. Uh, but I, I found, um, watching it again, I probably felt the same way the first time. Like the, the thing I liked actually best about the movie was her relationship with Patton Oswald.
0: Mm.
1: I thought, you know, they were two, like, wounded people. Although he was not nearly as as messed up as she was.
3: Yeah, he's more messed up physically.
1: Yeah, because he got beaten by bullies in high school and he has to walk with a the cane. They, uh, he went into kind of detail about what they did to his dick.
2: The thing with his dick is actually one of my favorite little things in it because, um, uh, when they're in the, another train, uh, there's a, he, he complains throughout the film his dick's broken and it's uh, crooked and misshaped and stuff and he like can't have sex and barely, like he's like, I can barely masturbate let alone have sex and then it, like one of the closing scenes of the film is the two of them having sex so there's this there's this weird kind of idea that's that's put in my head is like to what extent is it, is he exaggerating
1: right. that
2: specific injury just because he wants to wallow in it that much?
1: Properly? Right. Exactly. No, I I totally got that too. Yeah. No, I I think that's true. He's well, they're both. I mean, they're both kind of living in the past. They can't let in a past they can't let go of, and like his injuries are are basically like his whole identity. So so yeah he does seem to exaggerate that I, I'm sure
3: and I, I think that's emphasized in that scene where they meet the guy in the wheelchair who's so positive yeah
1: <laughs> that was a great scene too
3: <laughs> it's a great yeah. scene because it, it they get they get to, they get to uh, cheer each other's terribleness when she says he ruined my she says he ruined my 16 sweet 16 party and he says he, he him being a, a happy cripple ruined my entire high school cr- life. yeah <laughs> The- Pat, Patton Oswalt was—I think this is the first movie I've seen him in where it was like a straight-on serious role. I, I thought he was great.
2: Have you guys seen a Big Fan? Yeah, no. I saw
1: Big Fan. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: got—I got—I was lucky enough to see that in the theater. This is kind of like his follow-up to Big Fan, dramatically, just in that he is playing a kind of dark, straight role, even though there's a little comedy in there. Yeah, and big- in that one—he's like a—he's an obsessive uh, football fan who. Ends up getting the shit kicked out of him by his favorite player. And then he has this moral dilemma of if he seeks any kind of justice for the injury, then he'll ruin the only thing in his life
1: that matters, which is the team. Yeah, big fans worth watching, Pat. You should check that mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, I thought I thought everybody was great in this. The, only, uh, the The thing I didn't, well, I shouldn't say I didn't get it because she's, Charlize Theron is obviously just super, super emotionally crippled. Um, but like her, her ex boyfriend or high school boyfriend or whatever, it didn't seem like worth pursuing. He he seemed very boring and.
3: Well, I think that's. I mean, that she's overlooking all that like she, I mean they make him to be especially boring like he, he picks out that bar the sports bar and he's like this is a lot better than Woody's isn't it and it's supposed yeah. to be like this generic Chili's kind of place that he loves so right she's just looking at him as the college boyfriend she had not the what he, he is now
1: yeah yeah no that's true um but I thought yeah I thought especially um I her and Patton Oswalt did super great jobs in the roles and I liked uh, I like Patton Oswalt's sister too.
3: Yeah, that's a weird part. I, I, I almost thought it was not even a real character. It was something in 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 uh, what's Charlene's character's name? It was something in her character's Mavis. head. Mavis, Mavis something yeah. in Mavis's head because the her her speech to her at the end is just so over the top. You're great. Everyone else sucks.
2: That's yeah. actually something I wanted to bring up. Is Patton Oswalt did an interview a couple months ago? I saw where they talked to him about young adults and like some how it's like finally starting to develop kind of a cult following and one of the one of the fan theories is that after the thing at the naming ceremony where Mavis just completely loses it people have this idea that after that the whole rest of the film is um psychosis and none of it actually happens
1: oh that's interesting yeah, which like,
2: I, I personally don't see it, but... I don't either. Yeah, It is but interesting.
1: It's They pulled a taxi driver.
3: Mm-hmm. Possibly. Um, That's something I thought was, was in spite of her, her problems in life, she had no problem finishing that book. Because I thought that was going to be one of the, the, the themes in the movie where she's just not writing. But she writes throughout the movie and finishes the book by the end of it. And it's kind of a terrible book, but still. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I don't... I don't buy that everything was psychosis after that because even when when she first meets the sister, the sister is like starstruck at her. Like the sister is another one who's basically living in the past.
3: I mm. guess, but she, the sister never interacts with anybody but Mavis. It's not like he she actually talks to Pat Oswald. Oh no, no she, she does. does. But, yeah, she
2: does. They argue about the the ranch dressing. Don't open a new one yeah, or whatever.
3: Forgot about that. Oh, never mind.
2: But that is off. That is. Um something that Mavis wouldn't have seen so I don't know I just think if it's psychosis it kind of blows the movie for me
1: yeah I and I don't I don't think that was the point especially at the end of the movie that she just went completely psycho Mm -hmm. she uh she like the way I took it like the very last scene where she's like reading and she's like you know it's time to start your life or whatever um I, I took it as she's still uh, a little delusional about everything and she's just going to go on being delusional. Like, I don't I don't feel like she necessarily learned a
3: lot. Yeah. yeah. She talks about learning a lot but then anything she she talked about kind of got taken back by the sister. How she was going to change her life. But yeah. I that's, like that That's scene.
2: my favorite part of, about this movie is that like in Roger Ebert's review of it I think he he said, "Like the bravery of it is it. It starts with a character we don't like, and then ends with her being someone we really don't like. <laughs> like the the film takes her on this just horrible downward spiral, and then it just refuses to pull away at the end or give her, have her grow or come out of it. It's just this is she's stuck this way. Yeah, I thought and, that
1: was really really took guts to do. And that's the thing, like because." if you read, you know, screenwriting books or whatever, like this is how a screenplay is supposed to work. A character is supposed to grow. That's that's like rule number one, but she does not. So it's, yeah, it was very, very avant-garde. That's not the right word, but in that way, you know, it totally goes against the grain of Mm. this standard Hollywood movie. Um, Yeah, and I give... I give Charlize Theron props for, like, her using her star power. She's still
3: popular, right? I don't fucking know, man. What? Well, I well, think she... she's more popular now than she was then. Yeah, it's just that. Mad oh yeah, Mad Max, yeah, Fury, Mad Max Road.
1: Fury Road. That's yeah. true. Yeah.
3: Uh-huh. Um, and this was—I don't even know how she got involved with this. This is Diablo Cody. What's her name? Diablo Cody. Diablo wrote Cody. It. Yeah. And uh, Jason Reitman directed it. Yeah. After, so. Yeah, no,
1: that's, I mean, it is, it is like a big, it's not, I mean, it might have been an indie budget, but it's not like it's a, a small time little movie. It's got big people involved.
3: Yeah, I think it was just the big people, but it got sent to art houses instead of the big theaters.
1: Yeah, which is cool. Well, I mean, it is, de- it definitely has more the feel of an art house movie than a major Hollywood movie. Um, but I'd like to see more, I'd like to see more movies like this.
3: I'm surprised to hear, and I checked to make sure Adam wasn't lying, but I'm surprised to hear Amazon has such low reviews for it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think you're lying. but and, and then you look at who's giving it one star, and it, they say things like it's sad and depressing. I said that makes it a bad movie. So I guess that explains why the, it has such a low rating.
2: Well, here's a, the thing is that if you... Well, first off, this is the first time that Jason Reitman and Diablo Cody... Had worked together since Juno. And that was such a popular, uh, sweet, whimsical kind of movie. And if you watch the trailer for this, it's very much so one of those films that's like premise and then a bunch of rock guitar for a while and an upbeat little thing and then a punchline and then some more guitar and then another punchline and the, ooh, isn't this wacky? But then you watch the film and it's just these. Long stretches of completely musicless, like just virtually silent scenes where she's just like sitting alone, drinking, watching terrible TV, <laughs> pulling her hair out and stuff. And <laughs> I think it got pushed as uh, kind of a quirky comedy when it's really like a dark comedy. It's just
1: very dark. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah.
3: That was a funny, a funny part where, like three, I think three or four times they show her just sleeping on the couch with terrible TV playing behind yeah. her
1: yeah she's watching like maury or whatever the equivalent is or tmz what
2: one, one cool thing about that is that the film opens with her watching um keeping up with maybe it doesn't open but she's watching keeping up with the kardashians at some point
1: it does open with that yeah
2: yeah and then the character in her book that she's writing as like an analog of herself is named kendall
1: like kendall oh. jenner <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah, it's a very smart movie. Now, because I, I didn't care for Juno. Mm. Um, I was one of the few, I guess. But but this one, yeah, I think I saw it in the theater, too. This one impressed me. Uh, and more on, on watching it for the second time. Maybe just because I had forgotten a, a lot about it the first time. But, yeah, it's super dark. I, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of... Of other dark comedies that I could relate it to, but I can't. Mm. I don't know, my mind's going blank. Maybe, uh. Maybe Burn After Reading, but that was more almost slapsticky comedy? Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, this is. Where this I is
1: rooted that, in reality, yeah.
3: Yeah, and then more emotional darkness instead. But Burn After Reading is just more violent.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true, yeah.
3: I can't think of any any similar movies to this, except Juno's exactly the same. So if you if you like Juno, you'll love this. <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's what we should tell everybody.
3: I've never seen. I haven't seen Juno yet. I'd I'd like to see it because I think I would like it because I love Michael Sarah, But I would
1: say, it. yeah, I would say if you love Juno, if you love uh, Airplane, if you love The Hangover, <laughs> you should watch this movie.
3: Not The Hangover. The Hangover Part Three.
1: Oh but right, real, Part Three. Yeah. Is that where they go to, like, Abu Dhabi or something? I didn't even see part three.
2: And if you loved Young Adult, you will definitely love Hangover 3.
1: Yeah. I would say, actually, I would say, um, what is it called? Super Fan? Big Fan. Big Fan. That that would be, like, a good double feature with this. Oh, uh,
2: definitely. It's got that same kind of dark closing, too.
1: Yeah. The, the, yeah. Um,. Yeah, all right. I give it I give it a thumbs
3: up. I just want to talk more about those scenes where she's a jerk to regular people. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the, checking into the hotel. Both both <laughs> checking in and checking out and were checking hilarious out. scenes. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. is that a dog in your bag? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's just barking mm. and <laughs> wiggling around.
3: And <laughs> but, then she says, but I would like to know if you can have a dog. Well, she says...
1: The 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 woman behind the counter says, "Well, we do allow pets for an extra fee." And she's and she's like, "Well, that's good because I do have a dog in my car."
3: <laughs> and then the but the, the not only was was uh, Mavis kind of a jerk, but the, the checkout person. No, was the, the checkout person, person was
1: an ass. I felt no no remorse for her. Like when she checked out, she was like, "Uh, just so you know, those donuts are only for gold members or whatever." Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah I would not <laughs> take one after that. Yeah,
1: I would totally take one myself. Yeah, she
2: kind of reminds me of the goth girl that hands out uh, condoms at the uh, abortion clinic in Juno, a little bit.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the uh, so her her ex's wife. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I had a hard time getting a whole like because it was the wife who invited her to the or who sent her the email about the.
3: Mm. No, I don't I don't think she sent the email. I think she's just insisted that the husband later insisted her to the that me. he do
1: it. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, uh, I think the email was probably just that all the contacts in your email got it because it, it was it, just an announcement right. An and, then announcement. She, and then she decides I'll drive back and find a way to worm my way into this guy's life.
3: because obviously he only sent it to me because he's still interested. I, that's another mm. great scene where he's she's talking to the high school friend who also lives in Minneapolis. And she's and she's like, it seems like you're really invested in this <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the scene. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: I couldn't figure. I mean, well, we. I guess we should talk about that scene because that at the what the baby naming party, which yeah, which was kind of a funny like suburban type thing people would do. Um, uh, it's the start, kind of
2: thing that people who we're into like alt rock in the nineties when they were teenagers
1: and a little bit
2: hippie ish. And then they get older. It's the kind of thing they would do to kind of, we're still us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they're decidedly not. Mm -hmm. Um, But that scene where Charlize Theron goes off on her, that, that was, yeah, uh, that was painful.
3: But another painful scene in another way is, you're kind of led to believe maybe there is a chance, maybe there is not that there's a chance, but there's there's a connection between Mavis and the X for a, a, a large parts of the movie, and she's obsessed with that uh, the concept, the Teenage Fan Club song, and she's, she yeah. listens to it over and over on the tape deck. So it's it's really kind of heart-wrenching when she goes to see the the wife play and that's the song oh right because the, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the
1: band yeah and they play the concert yes yes I that do.
2: is that is actually my that is my absolute favorite favorite scene in this like i've seen this movie many times i remember the first time i saw it i wasn't totally sure if i was on board and then that happened where they they, they, go, to the, they go to that shitty bar and the wife plays the song that Shalise was convinced was our song. Yeah, her and just, and her just the her look exercise. on her face. Her face crumbles. Color. Yeah, and she looks over, and Patton and Oswalt's just kind of leaning in the doorway with this look, like don't want to say I told you so, but
1: right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally. Fr- I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that was that was great. I I do wish. I do want to say. I wish they'd played um, the concept throughout the movie, and maybe skipped uh, what what's up by four non-blondes because i didn't need to hear that ever again but (laughs) well how about what
3: about ray i like like (laughs) it's a shame
1: about ray that's all right but
2: i like that they use that um what's up because like one contrast with juno is juno is is also very heavily like musical film but people really love the soundtrack to juno like my sister still listens to the juno soundtrack like (laughs) every day at her job and stuff but if you look up the young adult soundtrack, it's like, by and large, really mediocre. Like yeah, the best yeah. thing on the soundtrack, aside from the Teenage Fan Club song, is probably like this weird instrumental cover of um, Where It's At by Beck, and it's like a really crappy Muzak-sounding version. But it, it felt to me like um, the, the way they used music in this film, it, it really could only evoke nostalgia. Yes, because the soundtrack kind of just sucks. But <laughs> but if you just want to remember that moment where you were at when What's Up was on the radio all the time, then it would take you back there. But
1: oh, yeah, I, I mean, I remember that moment. That was when I would uh, rush to change the station whenever. That <laughs> but it also like it was of the time when he would have made her that mixtape. But it also like kind of weirdly like you could see how it would be like an anthem for her. Mm-hmm. so it did work I just yeah I didn't I just hate that song that's all
3: and then over the ending credits was the uh, some was it uh, what's the name of that 70s thing with Diana, Diana Ross was singing it's not free to be you and me but a song from that album <laughs> <What is laughs> it was that? a song from free to be you and me yeah oh, over the shit. credits um,
1: it's alright no it's not it's alright to cry that wasn't Diana Ross yeah it doesn't matter um, Speaking of Beck,
3: of there is was an episode of uh, what's the name of the show that comes after Colbert? Late Show with the Late, late ni- Show,
2: Wait, yeah,
3: yeah. Late, late Show with James Corden, and they did the entire episode in somebody's house, and Beck was <laughs> Beck was the was the guest, and the guy who owned the house it was a surprise. Like they knocked on doors in the neighborhood, and was the first people that said yes. And the guy who owned the house was like like almost fainting because he was such a big fan of Beck. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> and they played for some reason. They played hide and seek. And Jeff Goldblum hid in the closet, and Beck hid underneath the carpet. Yeah. Dude, I would love to have
1: Jeff Goldblum and Beck <laughs> in my house.
3: <laughs> and and they uh, they when Beck got brought up from under the carpet, he said, that's ever vacuum?" <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. Especially like that show, but I was just—I was just—I couldn't stop watching when they had it in somebody's house. I yeah, think. I don't
1: especially love it either. Although I've seen some good bits, like I saw him—he was uh, driving around with Stevie Wonder. Um, <laughs> that was nice. Stevie Wonder was like singing all these songs, and he like he called his wife and uh, had Stevie sing. I just called to say I love you for her and stuff. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, young adult—I were probably. We probably exhausted this one, huh? Let's see, I know. I'm trying to think of any if there's any other little thing that I that I really like. Well, I, I just the fact that she like constantly abused Patton Oswalt, but he hung out because I guess because he had nobody else, and I mean he was a curmudgeon too. So,
2: well, they had kind of a they kind of needed each other because, like the the wife and stuff all these all these people in her life um, and I mean I thought it was actually kind of realistic when somebody's just so far out there people will just would rather just not say anything and not engage and Patton Oswald, you know has a line where he literally goes you're fucking mentally ill yeah <laughs> and, and she need and she needs like that, that kind of thing and he a
1: reality check yeah yeah <laughs> but,
2: I mean she doesn't take it but she's the only one she can like you know, he's she's the only he's the only one where she'll wear sweatpants, I guess. You know, and have the disheveled <laughs> hair and no makeup and all that.
1: Yeah, I and I I do like like I said I like the movie and and it makes sense that it was a movie about her going back and being totally crazy, uh, trying to get her new now married uh, ex back. But I also would have watched a movie just about the relationship between her and Pat and Oswald. Like she goes back to this town and and befriends this guy who she never paid any attention to in high school. And those two characters, I would have watched a movie just about them and I think it probably would have ended the same where like she sleep with sleeps with him and then just bails. But mm-hmm.
3: I like that she went back to her hometown, and you don't think about it until the parent shows up about why she's not staying at her parents' house. And oh. That's such an awkward scene where the 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 one of the very few times in the movie where she says something both honest about herself, but honest like like realistic, and they just laugh at her when she says, "I think I'm an alcoholic," and they just laugh.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, I, yeah, I love
2: when uh, the mom first uh, picks her up, and the lie Charlize Theron's been telling everybody is. I'm in town for a real estate thing and it turns out like her aunt is a real estate agent (laughs) so when her mom picks her up she's like your aunt's a little hurt (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, no terrible terrible family Um, terrible family dynamic like the the,
2: the dad's just like still in love with her ex-husband and (laughs) got the wedding pictures up and all that
1: it was a great day
3: (laughs)
2: i just thought he was a good guy is
3: all <laughs> and the fact that they were they were invited to the ex-boyfriend's naming thing is is weird too it's, yeah i guess that's a sign of a small town small
1: town maybe yeah but were they at the naming yeah yeah because because her mom kept kept saying kept saying mavis mavis no that was that was i thought that was like um shit
2: no her, no, her mom was there. Yeah, for sure. Well, who's the, who am I thinking of? She kept addressing someone by their first name. Like...
3: His mom? Because his mom, I, I think
2: it was his mom is who yeah. I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, his yeah. mom
1: was there, too, Yeah, cause... yeah.
3: There's the awkward hug. She's like taps her on the shoulder and says so good to see you and, the, and his mom has no desire to hug back to, yeah and, and there's some backstory that we don't know about because nobody likes her so even before she got there the the rest of the band would like they called her the psycho prom queen so i guess something happened mm-hmm. that we don't even know about
1: well obviously she's been this way for longer than just the period of this movie
3: that's true yeah
1: yeah All right, Uh, you guys want to take a break and we'll go into while we're young? Sure. Okay. Sounds Uh, good. We'll be back, everybody.
0: We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days, but then he tried to be a hero. I talking about Shan to computers wearing earphones. Oh. He almost died for conversation. Hallucinations? Goodbye.
1: Alright, we're back. And now we're doing while we're young. Um Adam, do you want to you want to give like a brief synopsis of this one?
2: Yeah, but I, I've seen it less times than um young adults, so I'm not as good with the
1: character names and stuff. Basically, oh, character um, names don't matter, yeah.
2: And the, the actors too. I can't remember what Ben Ben Stiller's wife. I can't remember who that is.
3: Naomi Watts.
2: Okay, yeah. So Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts are this 40 something couple he's a documentarian who's been working on his masterpiece for 10 years and he has all these big ideas of what it's about but it's really pretty much just a mess and it's it's totally stalled out and they have an adult uh like couple friends the husband of him is played by adrock uh, ad-rock from the beastie boys and they have a they have a child and it kind of brings up all these emotions for Ben and Naomi, and they... Uh, I'm losing the plot already. <laughs> um, they meet this younger couple in their 20s, these kind of hip, hipsterish um, people, and the guy is... Uh, what's his name from Girls?
1: Adam Driver? Is
2: that- yeah, yeah, something like that, and um, he wants to be a documentarian, too, and he really... Lays on the praise uh, and really sucks up to Ben, and um, they they bond and they kind of have this second childhood lived through these these younger characters, and and then he proposes that they make a documentary together, and things take this kind of weird, uh, dark, sinister sinister turn where they kind of really question them. Where Ben really starts questioning what's this guy's angle, and that was that wasn't a great synopsis. No, no, that's no, like that broad, was perfect.
1: Broad strokes,
2: yeah. broad strokes. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, because it turns out uh, Adam Driver's um, like he he says uh, there's he wants to do a documentary about um, connecting with an old friend on Facebook. He says like the first like high school friend I had who messages me. Or sends me a friend request. I'm going to go film him and see blah, blah, blah. But it, and it and it, So it's this dude who was in uh, the Iraq War, I guess, it turns out. And he's all fucked up. But then it turns out that uh, they knew all about this guy beforehand. And it was actually his girlfriend's uh, friend. It, it was never Adam Driver's high school buddy. Or high school, you know classmate Maybe, and yeah and uh and so it was all a sham and and he's just kind of using ben he's actually using ben stiller to get to his father-in-law who's also a documentarian but a much bigger one um to try to get you know funding for it and get his his name on it and stuff so uh yeah that's that's the gist of it um I know. I wish. I wish Ad Rock was in it more, because that was another thing. I, I was like, oh, awesome. But, but I just... thought
2: they did. They did give him a lot of the best lines too. Like, my, my favorite, or the funniest part of the film to me was uh, Ben and Naomi show up to Ad Rock and his wife's uh, apartment just to drop by, and it turns out they're having a party that they weren't invited to, because they become so alienated from their friends that are their age, and. Adrock has this line where he's like, "You look like one of those guys in high school that used to drive past prom and just never come in." And he's <laughs> like, "You're an old man with a hat."
1: Yeah, with a that hat. That just cracked me up so fucking much. <laughs> <like. laughs> it, yeah, it, there were there was some funny stuff in it. My, I, I had a li- Here's my problem with the movie. Um, I think it was like the issues that it touched on were. In a lot of ways, academic. Like, I I don't really feel like uh, it was about something most Americans even give a shit about. Like, it's it's very like, uh, it's very really East Coast um, college professor type material.
3: But not only that, I th- I th- I thought maybe you could make an in- more in- interesting movie about a generational divide without creating these like. I don't know. The Adam Driver character was was. I mean, at the end of the movie, they say he's young. He's not evil. He's young, but he was actually evil. He was a jerk, and the the work he was doing was not interesting work. It was all all made up, and I I don't think that was a that made it less interesting because it didn't seem like real. Didn't feel real like a real generational divide. It just it felt more like a a jerk versus regular people.
2: Well, I I could almost I can almost sort of forgive that at the ending because there is this kind of. There's a lot of changing ideas of authenticity and what's real and what's true and honest nowadays and and so so there is sort of a divide in that sense. But I did think the ending really kinda sunk the film and the first two thirds of it do have a lot more interesting things about a generational divide. So like I agree all the, all the characters in their forties are on their phones all the time, and then these younger characters are like watching VHS tapes and playing board games and stuff, and
1: which and is it, yeah. which is super hipsterish. I work with a lot mm-hmm. of twenty-year-olds, so uh, yeah, no, that's totally true. I keep seeing people on Facebook. I just got a VCR. Well, I'm like, <laughs> but why? Like, it's actually worse. It's like literally worse than a Blu-ray player. So you, um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree that the ending kind of sunk it because, and and especially. So, throughout the film, they talk about um, why they don't have kids and, and, you know, their their friends who are their age tell them they should have kids. Uh, and Naomi Watts keeps saying, you know, they tried and she kept having miscarriages. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just – and and she even says at one point, you know, she doesn't want to have kids after – after they take some weird uh, mescaline or something, um, and <laughs> mm. Ben Stiller's like, we should have kids. But then, at the end, they were going to adopt a kid, which I thought was very Hollywood. Like, it, it was unnecessary to me, that.
3: And it, they didn't work towards that. It wasn't like, at any point, did it seem like that was really what their, their desire was. It was the opposite. Right, it just flash-forwarded
1: yeah. one year later, and they're, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I actually didn't catch that the first time I... I watched the film. I didn't... I guess I wasn't paying attention or something, but I totally didn't pick up that they were going to adopt a kid. It just skips forward a year and they're like in an airport lobby looking at a baby playing with an iPhone.
1: I was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right. Well, and that was... So that was a little problem I had with it in that... Um, it is... Like, it is interesting to talk about these... Like, the generation gap and, and how shit works nowadays. But in a way, it almost seemed... Um, kind of old man-ish. like his mm. his take on the new technology and everything. Like he seemed uh, Noah Bobox should say the the director writer. Uh, he seemed kind of uh, old fogeyish about the way people use things now, mm. which I don't necessarily like. I don't think it's bad. Like I think it's fucked up when people are eating together at a restaurant and everybody's on their iPhones. Like that's, that's terrible. But, but in a lot of ways, you know, technology is not, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, the baby playing on the, on the phone. I don't know. Anybody who has kids, you know, like if you can sit them down in front of the TV for an hour or whatever, that's fucking great. (laughs) Just, just let them amuse themselves so you can have a, a break. Um, but yeah, yeah, like cuz cuz Adrock gave a, a speech in the beginning too when they were at the at the uh, restaurant about kind of about, you know, how people use cell phones now and stuff. Yeah, what's uh... I know, I wish I could remember the line. Um, okay, so I remember
2: it's going like one person pulls out their phone and then everybody pulls out their phones.
1: Right, and he's like And he
2: he complains and then she says, "Yeah, I know it's so rude." And he's like, "Well, it used to be rude. Now it's just okay." Now it's just how things work. Oh, yeah. What I was thinking of is he says, "Um, we're all convinced we have the most important thing right now. We are all convinced we have the most important thing to do."
1: Right, which which is <laughs> which is also true. Like I I get that like when I see when I'm walking down the street to work or whatever, and everybody's on their phone and just walking super slow i'm like how important is what you're doing like can you not just be present and walk you
3: know do you you also say get out of my way you're going too slow i have to be at work do you know how important i am Mm.
1: don't you know who i am that's usually (laughs) what i say then i grab their phone and throw it into traffic Um, the band yeah the band traffic steve winwood he's he's (laughs) falling on hard times dude (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah those are those are kind of well another minor complaint see i'm sounding like i hated it. i didn't hate it i i thought it was i thought it was okay I, but it had problems um another problem i had minor problem i had was when uh at uh, near the end when when ben stiller exposes adam driver for all he's done to his father-in-law played by charles groden um Everybody at the table, including Charles Grodin, is kind of just like, eh, that's fine. That's not really a problem. Where he was held up as, as kind of a man of integrity who, who made movies in the old style, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was just a weird... Like, I couldn't tell what Noah Baumbach was trying to say. Like, is it okay the way the new, the new kind of morality is around technology, or is it not? Think, because do you
3: it... think anybody would think it was okay for someone to make a movie where they claim that they knew they knew someone and they were catching up, and the truth was they never knew them? I don't think that anyone would think that that would be a scandal.
1: Well, exactly. Yeah, I think it would be a bullshit. Like with that catfish movie, you know, there was some question about about the authenticity of that too. Um...
2: Or like the the obvious example would be that million little fi- uh million, little, million little
1: pieces yeah yeah
2: yeah i wanted to say million little fibers but that's a south park episode about it <laughs>
1: uh
2: yeah that that whole thing
1: yeah right but I do you
2: think that would be far less scandalous today
1: possibly if that, if yeah. that were to
2: happen again because there there's a i think there's a much stronger um idea nowadays that your conception of yourself and your general conceptions or or the way you think or want to be somehow um, are often more important than what than what actually is, or the, the ideas of a thing can define what it
1: actually is. Right. Well, yeah. You. I mean. Everything's marketing, right? And you you know, people mm. talk about their personal brands and stuff, which is fucking gross, but like it's yeah, it's something that people but I do. Just,
3: I mean, I could see that not being as big of a deal for a memoir, but I just don't see it as a as a documentary. I I just feel like they're they're not that way yet. But I'm i mm-hmm. wrong.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I have no idea what he was trying to say. I think that's that's where it just completely lost the plot because there's there's all the like I thought like about the first two thirds of it were was pretty interesting. Yeah. Some of the, yeah. the parallels and contrasts and the dynamic between this older this older couple and this younger couple and this older couple and the orphans. That was an that was an interesting kind of um, just kind of situational thing I thought was interesting. And then and then Ben full on realizes, oh this guy is is a fraud and then it goes into this like breakneck Okay, now we actually do have a story to tell. And then it's this big dramatic thing and then he shows up and gives this what I would say is the old man moment he, he gives the, he comes and gives this uh, big speech to Adam driver that just like um, really over oversimplifies things and is very cliched and hackneyed and it just it just sped up really fast and then it just like collapsed under its own
1: weight yes no I, I wasn't agree. there a
3: scene where he catches on fire
1: yeah that, that was <laughs> No, that was that was after he gave his he he exposed yeah. Adam Driver. Yeah, that's
3: that's when I that's when the movie really lost me. So <laughs> like, I don't know what you're doing here. I thought I think it was a much more interesting movie before Adam Driver became this manipulative jerk who had just been using Ben Stiller to get to his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't think that was I thought that. It's, thought that made it less interesting well i
1: i kind of agree with adam like that point where he gave the speech to adam driver and and then it was intercut with charles groden's speech for like his lifetime achievement award was that it was kind of very hacky and that's when it went downhill but before that i mean they do bring up points like when adam driver says you know no if you write a story and i tell it it's mine now you know like Mm -hmm. that's like I said, the new morality of of the internet and technology, and there are a lot of young people who feel that way, you know, and they have no compunction about stealing music or movies or whatever. Um, and and it is an interesting point. I just don't know that it was uh, that it was explored as far as it could have been, and also that. It is kind of academic, like I said. <laughs> Just the whole idea. Well, it, it was a
2: weird... I thought it was a weird payoff for kind of an academic thing they had earlier in the film. Like, um, one of the reasons I liked the film initially is because there are a lot of little things in it that appeal to me personally. Like, um, when Ben's looking at the kid's record collection, he pulls out a copy of Lola by the Kinks. And was like, oh, shit. And when, he's, when they first meet, he's like giving a lecture in some college classroom. And the last line of Ben Stiller's lecture is he gives some Godard quote about making documentaries about like the properties of documentaries as being about yourself or about others. And this idea of how documentaries um, can say something about the, the creator and how a documentary about someone else can be truly personal. So they just kind of threw in that, that line at the beginning about this is this is like the weighty idea that Ben Stiller's pondering is how can a documentary truly be personal while also like being about something and then the payoff to that was just making a completely selfish and dishonest um, movie and then people just being okay with it like like even the like you were saying more like kind of east coast academic ideas of it just didn't pay off
1: yeah yeah and and ben stiller's documentary that he'd been working on for 10 years um Mm. and he was like refusing to cut and everything like that that kind of like that was kind of you know the the old school kind of integrity that whatever you want to call it um that Mm. you think of with documentary filmmakers you know he's like he's kind Mm. of not necessarily poor but he can't afford to pay his editor and everything and uh, but he also is making this movie that is kind of boring like he refuses to cut out stuff that needs to be cut out and he he keeps interviewing this guy who he even tells Adam Driver has no charisma <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I like the I, I really like the the part earlier in the film when he's interviewing him and they've just been together so long and shot so many hours of footage that the guy just gets up and walks into his bathroom and takes a piss and just leaves the door open. He <laughs> just doesn't care. It's like Ben Stiller's his wife. The guy's just uh,
0: been around for so right, long. Right, he's so used to it. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> and that was or, the guy from oh, Peter Paul or, and Mary, right?
2: Um, there was a, also the, the scene with the editor where he was like, I'm having trouble editing this. Because when when we're cutting the footage of you interviewing this guy, it cuts back to you in like the early two thousands and you've got like this full goatee, <laughs> and then it cuts to no you later, really. and you've got a beard and then you're clean shaven and then you have all this gray <laughs> hair. I thought that was funny.
1: Yeah, I did I mean, there was a lot that I liked. Like I I did like the idea of uh, of Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts trying to be trying to fit in with this younger generation and go into some like really weird hippie ceremony where they all take uh, psychotropic drugs and shit or psychedelic drugs. And, and I thought that whole scene was cool.
3: Yeah. But I thought him making out with Adam drivers, uh, or Amanda Seyfried was a little bit cliche, a little bit hackneyed.
1: Wait, he didn't make out with her. Uh, Adam driver made out with Naomi Watts.
3: Didn't he make out with her? he like, he went up to the blonde hair and he thought it was her and they made out. No, no she was, went up
2: to him and thought it was. Uh, it, was
3: yeah, it was the other right. way around. The, yeah, it was the other way around. Yeah. But then
2: I, after she realized, she kissed him again.
3: Yeah, I, I thought that was a little. The the, thinking it was the wrong person just was a little cliched. I thought.
2: I thought like um, like the the moment where you hit where it kind of hits you that oh there's something sinister going on is, when they're interviewing the vet and Ben's looking at his camera because it keeps zooming in on Adam Driver's right. face and he realizes that, oh he's got a remote. Yeah. while he's interviewing this guy, he wants me to zoom in on his own face. like that <laughs> yeah. was that was that's the obvious moment where it's like, oh, what the what's going on here? And I thought the kissing thing was just kind of a, okay, here's a softer, softer revelation of maybe there's something wrong here and that involves the older people where it's like she makes a transgression before. Adam driver makes a really bad transgression or the series of really bad transgressions.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: I, it, it just didn't make a lot of, it, it
1: wasn't, I don't think it was necessary really. It was interesting though, to like realize because Adam driver, even from the beginning, like he seemed like cool or hip or whatever you, however you want to say it, you know, he was into mm-hmm. all this stuff, but even just the way he, he talked, like he it's almost like he wasn't even a real person. He was just all ambition. That's like That was
3: his whole personality. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that goes back to Noah Baumbach's old man. <laughs> That's how he sees young people. <laughs>
1: yeah, it could be. Um,
3: as far
2: as like whatever you want to call it, cooler hip, one thing I thought interesting is that if you met this guy, you would call him a hipster. But in the entire film, the only time they use the word hipster is right in that very last scene where they're going to adopt the baby. They see like a magazine interview with Adam Driver Right. in like Time Magazine, and one of the questions is, "Do you consider yourself a hipster?" But otherwise, the whole rest of the movie, they never use that word.
1: Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that.
3: And, but did did we hear that answer out loud, or did I pause and read the screen? Because, or I forget what it was, but whatever the answer, I mean, whatever it was, the answer was so perfect for that character. Yeah, was, I, I wear tight pants, and they they say people they call that kind of person a hipster. Yeah, he's so he doesn't like, well, really. Yeah. I wear, <laughs>
1: well, I wear tight pants, so he yeah. never
3: answers the question. Mm. <laughs> but it is exactly
2: how he would answer the question. Yeah. yeah, it's very smart, kind of. Oh, I'm I'm better than that question, or it's a smart dismissal, the kind he would he would certainly do. Yeah,
3: yeah, I, I didn't get... really love the movie, but I thought everybody in it was good. I thought Ad was mm. awesome. I thought. Um, Adam Driver was really good in that that playing ambition. He was good, and Ben Stiller is usually annoying, and he wasn't especially annoying in this one. You find Ben Stiller annoying usually? I think so. Did, and, who
2: directed uh, Greenberg?
3: Noah Baumbach.
2: The, yeah, that's that's what I thought. Um, ben Stiller is my only trepidation going into this because the last Ben Stiller movie I'd watched was Greenberg, and I just thought it was a real piece of shit, and I couldn't I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> And so that's that's probably why I waited so long. I waited probably like seven or eight months after it came out to watch it, cause I was like, "Well, Ad Rock's gonna be in it, but <laughs> yeah. Ben Stiller doing the Greenberg thing again." But I, <laughs> but he he uh, I thought he thought he did a really good job.
1: Yeah, and for the material, right? And uh, it was I mean it was really cool just to see Ad Rock playing like this this schlumpy domestic dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what you would expect. I think yeah, I guess w- m- what I would say about it is that um uh, my only problem is I wish it would have been a little bit better. Like it I feel like it could have mm. it could have done a little more and it would have been uh a, like like that last that last third act or whatever you want to call it kind of yeah. ruined it. Yeah.
3: Isn't that what you say about any bad movie? I wish it was better so I didn't have to sit through that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, because I think it had some some good ideas and some good stuff going on. Good, yeah. yeah, it it had a chance to be better than it was. It wasn't like Freddie got fingered or whatever.
3: How about um, Charles Groden playing a character who wasn't an asshole? That's a, that's a change of pace. He's, I know. He's, he is a good mm-hmm. actor. It's too bad because he's so good at being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> he's like eighty years old. I, I didn't realize that watching it because he didn't seem that old, but he is. Damn, then, so
1: he must have been, he's 80 years old? Mm hmm. Jesus. So he must have been Damn. old in like uh, Midnight Run because that was like 89, right? And that wasn't like, I guess that was a while ago. It was like 26 years ago. But even that, even so. Like, I mean,
3: he's definitely older than De Niro. I don't think De Niro's is 80. It, it, it seemed no, like they're it the same be. age.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Well, um,
2: like, there, there's some people kind of like George Carlin is kind of like this for me where like, up until they're about thirty, they're just young looking, and then the rest of their life, they're they're just old. They, they're, yeah, <laughs> you, you you can't you can't tell how how old they are or how long they've been old. They they just look old.
3: That's true. In What's like a vague Scotland way, just has, they that, just have an your, old face. Yes once Carly grew that beard, he was o- old after that. Well, he it was like,
1: it was um, also, yeah, he had the beard and he also like had the ponytail and like, you know, in the eighties, that was like very anachronistic. So I think that that even made him seem older. Like, Hey, I'm an old <laughs> hippie dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, this was, uh, I don't know. You guys got anything else to say about while we're young? Uh,
3: no, I, 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 I,
2: okay. I guess I would, I would just say kind of, kind of echoing what you said, like, I think, on the whole, not a great movie. I think it's more good than bad just because I like the first two acts. My problem with it is that the first two acts deal with a lot of grays and dyna- and interpersonal dynamics and these am- ambiguous things. And then just the third act where the, it turns out this guy is a real piece of shit, it's, they, they took a movie that should have been about the grays and the nuances and the uncertainties, and then they took the narrative and forced you to take sides.
1: Right. And, and make kinda, it really
2: black and white. And that yes, was my problem. I agree.
1: No, I agree. I think it was more good than Dad, too. Uh, yeah. It reminded me of kind of like Woody Allen, although I'm not a huge Woody Allen fan. But, uh, but you're not a
3: huge fan of this movie either, so that fits. No, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was all right. <laughs> um, all right. I'm looking forward to seeing Adam Driver in the new Star Wars. Yeah, I know hmm. you are. is Ben Ben Stiller Stiller. in the
1: new Star Wars yeah he plays Yoda oh he plays Yoda that's good he is pretty short I think
3: you think or he is
1: well
2: (laughs) one thing that was kind of throwing me for a loop about Adam Driver is you know a Little Miss Sunshine yeah I thought he really looked like Paul Dini in that movie like the email kid that won't talk
1: oh Paul Dano
2: yeah, yeah. I really thought he looked like
1: him and it just it messed me up the whole time I was watching the movie. <laughs> All right. Um well I guess then we're gonna go to recommendations. Asians Asians Asians. Oh, I didn't even warn you, Adam. Uh you gotta have a, some kind of pop culture recommendation. Doesn't matter, movie book, podcast. Oh, I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm a listener.
2: I've heard I've heard maybe thirty of these or so. So Okay. Well aware of the format.
1: Okay, then we'll <laughs> let you go first with your recommendation.
2: Um, I probably would have gone with big fan, but I said it already. <laughs> so I'm going to recommend something that's totally relevant to what we're talking about. Um, it's kind of a twofer, uh, a book and a CD that go together, which was released either last year or the year before. And it's called Different Every Time. And it's a biography of the – and a sort of best of for the English singer Robert Wyatt, who's a, who's a really interesting figure. Oh, yeah. Um, toured with Hendrix in, like, the 60s and then developed this really bad drinking problem and fell off, a like, a second-story balcony, broke his back, was left in a wheelchair, turned to singing, and has gone on to make this really, really interesting um, – uh, idiosyncratic kind of music where I could tell you it's jazz music, but that's true, but also not tr- not not sufficient. And I could tell you it's pop music, and that'd be true, but not quite right. And I could tell you it's experimental music, and that'd be true, but not quite right.
1: Yeah, yeah and I even I folk, yeah. maybe, and but not quite right. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah definitely, definitely. And um, the compilation is really interesting because it kind of focuses on a broad swath of his work like the first song on it is 20 minutes long it's that kind of compilation where it's going to take a a deep dive and go to weird places and there's there's things that are left off it like his cover of um his notorious i guess cover of now i'm a believer or whatever by the monkeys where it got banned from the bbc tv because they thought it'd be creepy to have a guy in a wheelchair singing and stuff like that's not on there there's a couple songs I wish were on the disc that aren't like "Born Again Cretan. but all in all, it's a really good two-disc set. That that if you've never heard Robert White before, anyone should go um, sit down and just listen to it at least one time. And I haven't finished the book yet, but I'm maybe a hundred pages in, and it's it's really interesting. He's a he's a, he's a fascinating guy. That's it's really. Uh, just personality wise is kind of tragic but has a humor to him and is just very very interesting to uh read about to read his words and his ideas and read about things like even just his marxism is really interesting and
1: and what's so his, what's the name of the, of the of it
3: again
2: different every time
1: different every time okay
2: and, an yeah.
3: autobiography or is it uh It's an
2: authorized biography, so he he signed off on it and he did interviews and stuff for it, but he didn't write it himself, which is probably for the best.
1: (laughs) Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll I'll check that out for sure. Yeah. Uh, Pat?
3: I'm going to recommend a movie I saw last week. It's in theaters now with Lily Tomlin called Grandma. Really Mm -hmm. funny and... Awesome performances and thought-provoking, and really good. It's one of the best movies of the year, I think. I hope she gets an Academy Award. And it, uh, Paul White's, I think, the guys, uh, the guy from American Pie, has put together another great movie. Uh, he did About a Boy, and I think he did a couple other movies I haven't seen. I, 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 I like him. He he does great stuff. So yeah, great movie. Hmm. Okay,
1: Grandma.
2: I don't uh, I don't know that I've heard of that.
1: Yeah, Isn't it's videos? kind of yeah it's it's new, but it's kind of like a under the radar type movie.
2: Like, is it new, new, like last week new or something?
1: Yeah. I th- yeah, I think okay. it opened last week. Yeah. Wait, okay. who else is in it besides Lily
3: Tomlin, Pat? Oh, there's Sam Elliott's in it. Uh, Marcia Gay Harden's in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcia Gay Harden, another actress who, every everything she does, she's terrific in. And it's unfortunate that she doesn't get more great roles because she's usually, like, lately she's been stuck on TV and bad, not always bad, but not great stuff on TV. But when she's, she gets a role, it's she's always awesome in it. And, she again, she's great in this. So. Uh, and then there's, like, a couple bit parts. What's his name? The guy, uh, John Chu? Is that the guy from... Uh, John Cho? John Cho. He was in a very small part. But uh, I don't think there's any other... Harold big... Kumar, dude?
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He's always good, too.
3: Yeah. He, he didn't have enough time to do much, but he was good in it.
1: All right. Um, I'm going to recommend... Uh, It's a three CD compilation. It's called Copendium. And it was, it's like this, all this underground kind of, like a lot of psych and a lot of uh, garage stuff, but it's put together by Julian Cope, which is why it's called Copendium. Uh, (laughs) Julian Cope been around since like the late 70s with the teardrop explodes and then he went solo and he's, he's. He had a couple hits in the 80s, but then he just really went super off the rails and crazy. But I've enjoyed all the stuff he's done. He's like gone his own way. And uh, there was only one band on here I'd ever even heard of. So it's like it was all new stuff to me and it's really cool. So, Copendium, if you want to go spend 60 bucks on a.
2: So, is that like. Um... If you're saying psychedelic and garage, that's probably like 60s and 70s it's, music primarily, or maybe even 50s.
1: No, it's actually, so the first disc is like 60s and 70s, and then he totally skips the 80s, and then the second discs are 90s to 2010s. Oh. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. It's a bunch of stuff I'd never heard. Um, anyway, that's mine. Okay, uh, Pat.
3: Oh, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you'd like to be on the show, if you'd like to hate us, or anything you'd like to say. Like us on Facebook, uh, rate us highly on iTunes.
1: Alright, that's it.
3: Uh, Well, thanks for coming on, Adam. Yeah, this was great. It was great to have an excuse to watch Young Adult again, and even though I didn't love while we were young, I did enjoy watching it, so thanks for that, and thanks for coming on, because you are pretty awesome. Oh yeah, thanks for having me on. And thanks to your
1: bird friend, too.
3: Yeah, which is, he's been much more interesting than I have been, so but he's, he's there. Yep.
1: <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it then. So until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Dun, 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 dun.